0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I don't know about the rest of you, but every day I feel like I have entered into the twilight zone. It's so dystopian out here at this point that sometimes I just... uh, I just roll my eyes, you know. I I can't even believe that I'm reading what I'm reading or that I'm seeing what I'm seeing or that I'm hearing what I'm hearing. And you know, the amazing part is that I really don't expose myself to all that many things because I'm fearful, I'm just fearful that, uh, you know, uh, my brain will get eaten by by the bacteria of of, uh, modern media. And I'm sure many of you feel that way. And you have the luxury of being able to turn it off while I don't. But this weekend, um, I decided I was gonna do, it was so funny, I got an email from a listener who said, look, I know I'm not allowed to look at the news on the weekend, you don't like us to watch the news. I don't remember saying that, but I did say that I don't like to. I stay away from it as much as possible. Obviously, if there's a big breaking story, I don't stay away from it. But this weekend, I thought, I'm really going to look at um, the whole issue of how people's careers and lives are being ruined by this whole idea that whatever they say is preserved for life and it will be branded racist, misogynist, or something, no matter what they meant. And even when you know what they meant, which is just so depressing to me. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have been in the business of pushing the envelope, since the day I got on the air, and um, I, I have really, really thick skin, so no matter what you call me, I'm just going to keep doing what I do because it's working for me, and must be working for enough of you that uh, you know I, I stay employed 33 years, so I'm not going to change too much. Uh, although I will tell you, I listened back to my interview with my son Derek on Friday. And his inability to say the word midget was so disturbing to me that I actually had a nightmare about it. I listened to the podcast on Friday afternoon after I got off the air well, a couple hours later. And then that night, Friday night, I had this nightmare about my son and my granddaughter, his daughter Nixie, who I went out there to celebrate her birthday last week, and about how they're, they're afraid. They don't have freedom of speech. You know, my son is worried that his career could be over if he says the M word. I didn't even know what the M word was when I saw the uh, original story on TMZ. It said that uh, Bill Walton, who's an NBA broadcaster, used to be uh, uh, an NBA basketball player, had said the M word and had to apologize and all these people going crazy. And so I, I called my son and I said, what's the M word? You know, and he said, oh, mom, are you kidding? And I said, no, I'm not kidding. He said, you know, the word for little people. I said, the word for little people, an M word? I said, midget? He said, don't say that. And then I did it on the air to him just to see if he would stick to his guns, and he did. He couldn't say the word midget. Now, I I don't mean anything derogatory by that word. I really don't. You know, I, I, I did not know it had a derogatory connotation. You know, then I said, "Well, what about dwarf?" And he said, "No, that's okay." Why? You know, actually, when I think about dwarfs, I think about like you know, fantasy movies like um, the Hobbits, or I think about you know, uh, the the trilogy where dwarfs were kind of like these bizarre-looking guys with overly large beards. I mean, I would be more insulted, I think, if I was a small person and you called me a dwarf than if you called me a midget. But hey, maybe it's just. I am so sick of it. I don't know what to do. But then over the weekend I heard a really bizarre. I think I heard it last week, but I didn't pay much attention to it. But now I was on a, you know, on a roll here. So I'm looking about the guy who was the creator of the comic strip Dilbert. Now, I don't know. I I'm not a big uh, comic strip reader. Uh, if I if they come my way, I'll I'll read them. I don't think much of them, they're kind of comedic and they're kind of silly, right? They're not to be taken too seriously. So when I read that on his February 22nd episode of Real Coffee with Scott Adams, apparently everybody does a podcast now. It's not just, uh, you know, broadcasters now. If you're a cartoon strip writer or you're an influencer, whatever, you do your own podcast, which is why I don't believe you'll ever be able to make a living with very, very few exceptions, by podcasting, because everybody and anybody can do it. Anyway, so um, he was on his own show, I call it Real Coffee with Scott Adams, and he decided to riff on a Rasmussen poll and basically to say something in a manner that was, you know, um, cancelable. I don't know how else to say it. National Public Radio condemned his racist rant. His distributor dropped him after several outlets, including the Los Angeles Times and the Washington Post, can you say the most liberal of liberal, uh, you know, print publications, stopped carrying the strip. He said his comments were hyperbole, but the damage was already done. See, it was a much criticized, apparently, Rasmussen poll, which asked American adults the following question. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? It's okay to be white. You heard me correctly. The statement which you are to either agree with or disagree was, it's okay to be white. 81% of white American adults strongly or somewhat agree. 7% strongly or somewhat disagreed, and 13% responded, not sure. 13% of people are not sure if they're allowed to even have an opinion. As for blacks, 53% strongly or somewhat agree with a statement, it's okay to be white. 26% strongly or somewhat disagree, and 21% of blacks responded, not sure. So when Scott Adams was talking about the poll, he said if nearly half of all blacks are not okay with white people, then that would make them a hate group. 26% of blacks strongly or somewhat disagree is not nearly half. He made no comment on the nearly twenty percent of whites who either strongly or somewhat disagree, or are not sure whether it's okay to be what white. Presumably, Adams wouldn't want them as his neighbors either. Now, calling this a racist tirade really is talk about hyperbole. It's the overstatement of the year. I don't know what's in his heart. I really don't. I don't know if he harbors racist sentiment, and neither does anybody else, including the, you know, the columnists or the uh, commentators at National Public Radio. Neither do the people at the Los Angeles Times or the Washington Post. No. But he said things that apparently, um, you know, really ticked off a lot of people, he says, I think it makes no sense whatsoever as a white citizen of America to try to help black citizens anymore. It doesn't make sense. There's no longer a rational impulse. So I'm going to back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. Like I've been doing it all my life and I'm the only outcome I get is called a racist. Now let me ask you a question. This is a guy, this Scott Adams, who was a Bernie Sanders supporter. So do you really think he's the only white person who feels this sense of frustration? I mean, after all the years of affirmative action, of race-based preferences, over 50 years, mind you, now we have black students who want separate dormitories and separate graduation ceremonies. How is that any different from what he said? Nearly every major city from New York to LA has or has had a black mayor, has or have had black police chiefs, have or have had, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, affirmative action which hasn't resolved their crime problem, their education problem, or anything else. I mean, think about this for one moment, okay? In Baltimore in 2015, uh, Freddie Gray died in police custody. At the time, the mayor was black, the number one person in charge of the police department was black. The number two person in charge of the police department was black. Three of the six officers who were charged were black. The police department is majority black. The city council is all Democrat and majority black. The state attorney who brought the charges was black. The judge before whom two of the officers were tried. Uh, and who found them not guilty, was black, and U.S. attorney at the time, Loretta Lynch, was black, as was the president at the time, Barack Obama. Yet despite all these black players and decision makers, the Department of Justice called for a civil rights investigation. So you want to know why uh, there are people in America who say, like, what's the point? None of this is working? Is it really surprising that some white people, like Adams, are now saying, check, please. He just said it out loud. But frustration is not racism. And Larry Elders agreed with me 100%. And that's the bottom line. Look, you know, I'm tired of having to explain myself. And I think a lot of people are tired of having to explain themselves. We just don't get it. You know, no matter what, what, Uh, accommodations are made, no matter what affirmative actions are taken, I still have to be told that it is not appropriate to say all lives matter. It is not okay to say I'm okay with being white. You know, give me a break. At what point do you not expect people to just go out of their minds and you have actually lit a fire of hate in a place where there was no hate? I mean, this guy's a cartoonist. I don't know what's in his heart. I really don't. But for goodness sake, if he said that was hyperbole and I'm just making a point, why wouldn't we accept that? Because we don't get upset when we're told that Uh, You know, there's all all, uh, black counseling sessions at your kid's college and your kid can't get a counseling session if they're white. They can't go into a group session if it doesn't fit their schedule. I did a whole piece on that last week. You know, how long you think that we're going to be able to like sit by and say, oh, okay, we're just going to keep taking it on the chin? Why? If it worked, it'd be worth it. But it doesn't work. Instead, we get confronted with, uh, books like White Fragility and, and Anti-Racism and all this other stuff, because it's never enough. It's never going to be enough. It's because the issue is not um, really racism. The issue is that people have a right to think whatever they want. They just don't have a right to impinge upon your freedom, okay? I don't care if you don't like me. It's none of my business how you feel about me. And I do this for a living where hopefully people like me enough to listen to me, right? But I can't control the way you think of me. Now, if you were to do something to physically endanger me or to, uh, you know, try to get me fired from my job or anything like that, then I have a beef with you. You know? And I have a beef with all the DEI programs that have turned the workplace upside down. Because apparently they're not helping. The contention is still that, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a totally racist society and, and, and we have to come up with uh, better solutions and reparations and all the rest of it. What? I, I, I give up, you know. I just give up. And I think this guy, this, uh, Scott Adams, he gave up. His frustration hit such a level. And Larry Elder's an African-American and he said, I, I get it. I get it. There's not, there doesn't seem to be enough of anything so that i could say it's okay to be white but but if a if a hispanic person or a black person wants to say it's okay to be brown or it's okay to be black i have to you know give them a standing ovation for saying that you know i used to stand around and applaud for people yelling say it loud i'm black and i'm proud yeah you say it loud you're black and you're proud say it loud but now i can't say it's okay not, not great or loud or proud. Just, I can't even say it's okay to be white. Like I somehow have control over my skin color. Which, by the way, is an immutable characteristic. I had nothing to do with it. Nothing. But apparently it's not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> so what am I supposed to say? It's not okay to be me. I'd rather be anyone else but me. No wonder we have kids going through mental health crises. And guess who's going through most of them? Yeah, liberal kids or the children of liberals. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Not crazy, not crazy at all. But uh, what can I tell you? I I I just it was one of those weekends where I was banging my head against the wall, saying like I can't I can't wrap my mind around this anymore. I don't know what to do next because now I have to say out loud that it's not okay for me to be okay. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, can you? Anyway, don't forget to download the 850 app or to visit the website because you can win a gift card from Bolé Fresh Bold Kitchen if you do that, or you might be able to get a pair of tickets to see I Am, he said, a celebration to the music of Neil Diamond. Oh. My son would just, he might fly in for that if I can get him a pair of tickets. Anyway, just check out the website, 850wftl.com, or download the app so you can get all the news and enter these contests. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to be back. All right, and welcome back. Um, Boy, I tell you, I don't know about the rest of you, but anybody in Florida who's currently living in a condominium that's 40 years or older, We have some issues that we have to address. At 12.30, I'm inviting uh, Eric Laser on. He, uh, he does his own show here on the weekends. Um, he's a condo expert, and I'm going to ask him some questions. But uh, I have a lot of people who want me to be talking about this, m- m- way more than I ever imagined, you know, not just uh, friends and people who know me and know I'm on the radio, but total strangers and listeners who have never written me before, are suddenly writing me because they're terrified. They're afraid they're gonna lose their apartments, their homes because of this massive inspection slash repairs that are facing so many of these um, apartments, so many of these condo apartments. So I invited Eric to talk about that, about the inspections and stuff with me. There's also a lot of people who are asking you to get involved, if it's an issue that affects you, you can uh, you can call the governor's office and you can state that you want to know um, what he's going to do to help, that uh, you recognize he can't do anything about the weather and excessive litigation and high reinsurance costs, but he can... Uh, use the third leg of the stool, and that is he could could work with the experts and ask the legislature to create a reinsurance bridge for a couple of years to bring reinsurance costs down. Um, He's done some changes, but more needs to be done to bring short-term rate relief. And uh, if you want the legislature to act, then you've got to reach out to the House of Representatives and the Senate, that's the state. The Speaker of the House of Representatives is Paul Renner. And you could get his, uh, you can email him at paul.renner at myfloridahouse.gov. And you can also, I think you can uh, send to the State Senate. I'm trying to see if I have a number for them. I may not. Uh, let's see, let's see. Yes, pasadomo.kathleen at floridasenate.gov. And just tell them, uh, you know, is there anything you guys can do? To ease the pain, because we're we're terrified of what's about to happen to us and our and our homes. So I would do that, but I'll ask Eric some questions about that. I do have to say that, of course, the uh, the bank fiasco that took place with the Silicon Valley Bank was top of the news all weekend long, and of course, yesterday, uh, amid all of this going on, the Federal Reserve and the US Treasury have intervened and what they've done is they've guaranteed that 230.6 billion dollars of uninsured deposits at the Silicon Valley Bank uh, totaling 151.6 billion in California and the Signature Bank in New York totaling 79 billion dollars. This is a terrible precedent. I want you to listen to me carefully. Just because Janet Yellen says we're not going to bail out the banks, there are $20.8 trillion of checkable and time and savings deposits of which $1 trillion is said to be uninsured. That is those in accounts above the $250,000 limit for the FDIC. So think about that. This is the beginning. This is a terrible precedent. And what's going to end up happening, are they going to guarantee all those deposits too? Because that's the door they just opened. Without a vote in Congress, without utilizing any authority from the 2010 Dodd-Frank financial takeover legislation, in particular, 12 U.S. Code Section 5463, designation of systemic importance, which provides that the Financial Stability Oversight Council on a non-delegable basis and by a vote of not fewer than two-thirds of members then serving, including an affirmative vote by the chairperson of the council, shall designate those financial markets, utilities, or payment, clearing, or settlement activities that the council determines are or are likely to become systemically important. So this is exactly what the Dodd-Frank financial legislation um was supposed to address, right? This is You're going down a rabbit hole. The threat that was posed by the Dodd bill to the private sector, which stated the Fed and Treasury Secretary would have the power to determine which companies fall under the terms of the legislation and which do not. So now uh, the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, they'll be resolved by the FDIC, according to what they said yesterday, the joint statement by the Treasury, the Fed, and the FDIC. And, and as with the resolution, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. So the losses will not be borne by taxpayers via votes in Congress, but by a special assessment on banks as required by law. So l- let me ask you a question. Where does that money come from? Well, the costs on businesses go up, like it does when the Federal Reserve hikes interest rates, right? So Congress won't get the bill. You will. As if getting charged by private financial institutions to pay for socializing the risk of these bailouts makes it any better. At least you can vote a member of Congress out of office when they raise your taxes. In this case, if you all try to move your assets to a different bank or to your mattress, or to your safe, which I'm strongly suggesting to people, you'll likely only be contributing to the problem. And if you choose another financial institution, invariably you'll end up paying the same fees and higher rates. There is no escape under the law. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Think about that. Financial institutions that bought U.S. Treasuries when interest rates were low, now have about 200 no actually about 620 billion dollars of unrealized losses because the rates went up so all the assessments that were made under Dodd-Frank won't be nearly enough to forestall a much larger bank run which of course will threaten every institution all the big ones too unfortunately under Dodd-Frank there's no theoretical limit to which financial and non-financial companies will be deemed systemically important in the new 2023 financial crisis. This is some scary stuff. And just the fact that we don't understand it to a great extent only makes it scarier for people like us. We're going to try and get answers of all these questions, don't worry, over the next couple of weeks. Anyway, um, let me take a quick break. When I come back, I'll be talking with Eric Glazer from Condo uh, Craze and HOAs, our own show here on Sundays. I believe it's on Sundays or Saturdays. Um, I think it's Sundays. Um, I'm going to ask him some questions about what's facing those of us who own condos and are members of HOAs. So stay right where you are. If you have any questions, stay where you are. Hopefully we'll answer them. All right, and uh, welcome back. You know, one of the nice things about working on the radio is that I know experts in just about every field. And one of the experts that has a weekend program here on eight fifty WFTL and a friend is Eric Glazer from Condo Craze and HOAs. Right? Did I get the name of the show yep. right? I keep forgetting That's the name
1: Condo Craze and HOAs. how are you?
0: I'm doing very well, Eric. And I, I really, uh, I am getting so many emails, and not just from listeners, but from personal friends of mine saying. What is going to go happen to all of us? Most of us live in condos, including me, that are 40 years or older, and now we're looking at inspections and repairs. What's going to happen to us?
1: Oh, you know, we, it's something. If you have a like, I don't know how long we got, but we really need to go over really what's about to happen mm-hmm. because it's going to affect like about half the people that live down here. Right. So, you know, the first thing that's in effect, Joyce, and a lot of people have forgotten about this because it's a bill that's getting get that got kicked down the road. Mm-hmm. Many, many times. How about by this January 1st, buildings that are 75 feet or higher, they have to have either a sprinkler system or an engineered life safety system. Now, that bill kept getting kicked down the road and kicked down the road, and as actually a bill that was passed by the Florida legislature. It was sitting on Governor Scott's desk to be kicked down the road again, and then while it's sitting on his desk, you remember that terrible fire in London, England that killed all those people? Right. Right. Okay. As a result of that fire, Governor Scott vetoed the bill. So as of January 1st of this year, there are no more extensions. If you're 75 feet or higher, you have to have either an engineered life safety system or sprinklers. And that alone, that alone could cost condominiums millions of dollars. We haven't even gotten into the safety laws that were passed as a result of the tragedy at the Champlain Towers and Surfside.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, what what is the um, what is the bill that is now going to impact us all? Is it a, a okay? S- you ready? So yeah. he,
1: here's the bill in a nutshell. So now, after thirty years or twenty five years, if you're on the coast, you have mm-hmm. to go through building inspections. Now, in Broward, you have to go through electrical and structural inspections. Mm-hmm. In right. Palm Beach, only structural inspections. But these inspections have to be done by an architect or engineer. Now, think how much money that's going to be. Right? Mm-hmm. Just think about that, the engineer. Now, that engineer, if they see any problems uh, the, any structural problems, they get to call in like a phase two engineer. Mm-hmm. And you know that that phase one guy is always going to call in a phase two because mm-hmm. why would the phase one guy say everything's perfect? Right? right. A lot of liability if you do that. So you're going to have to pay for a phase one inspection then a phase two inspection by another architect or engineer, and then that phase two architect or engineer gets to spell out everything that's wrong with your building, right? Mm -hmm. And then he gives it to the local building official, and the local building official says, fix everything. You have, let's say, six months to do it. And that can cost millions and millions of dollars if your building hasn't been taking care of things over the last 30 years. And I can tell you, Joyce, unfortunately... Most buildings have not. Most mm-hmm. buildings have not. I hate to say it. But uh, they don't do what needs to be done because, you know, you want to save money.
0: Right, right. What about, uh, you know, reserves? Aren't my, my particular condo, you know, everybody was upset with our condo commando because she kept upping the maintenance because she said we need to have a big reserve. You know, there's, there's storm clouds on the horizon. And well, turns out you, she was right. She was right.
1: Yeah, she was right. Now, no more, you know how some condos have been waiving reserves, right. not just for years, but for decades, never Look. putting a dollar away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, guess what? Starting in 2025, no more of that. You now have to do what's called a structural integrity reserve study. Mm-hmm. That has to be done by an architect or engineer. So, again, just keep adding up these, cost, these costs mm-hmm. just, just to pay architects or engineers, right? Never right. mind the repairs, just paying the architects or engineers. They have to do, again, a structural integrity reserve study. And starting January 1st, 2025, you have to start putting money away for roof, walls, floors, foundations, fire systems, plumbing, electrical, waterproofing, windows, and anything else that's over $10,000 or more. Now, if you're going from a situation where you didn't have any reserves to that system, wow, is your assessments going to go up. They're going to fly up.
0: Well, what, what happens? I mean, you know, a lot of the people who live in these condos, especially the older ones, are seniors. They're on fixed incomes. Um, you know, the idea of hitting them with a $10,000 yes. or a $50,000 assessment uh, basically locks them out of their home.
1: Uh, it, listen, that Joyce, that might be, but I'm saying this respectfully. You know I don't want to throw anybody out of their homes. I don't want that to happen. On the same token, these are the same people that for 30 or 40 years kept waiving reserves true i mean respectfully didn't you think you have to put away some money for a rainy day eventually the building's going to be going to need fixing right. but they gambled like especially in a 55 and over community you think well i'm not going to be around when the roof needs repair you know unfortunately you lived nice <laughs> that's, right. that's, right. that's, that's the crazy part mm-hmm.
0: Well, I can tell you, you know, like like I said before, I live in a community that has multiple villages and each one of them controls its own dynamic. And a lot of people right. were leaving our village because they said, well, I can go live at the village next door where they don't have a, you know, they don't take money for a reserve. And now, okay, so
1: that's the worst thing they could have done.
0: Yeah, the worst thing they because. could have done. Meanwhile, we're sitting here, we've redone the roof, we've redone uh, electrical panels, we, we installed, I mean, we've done a lot of things because we so had the wherewithal. T-
1: See, buildings that have done the right thing and you're already reserving, man, yeah. you have nothing to worry about. That's this right. new law has very little effect on you. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you're the exception.
0: Oh, yeah. You in are,
1: this- I mean, truly the exception. Yeah, Most no, in this community, in Florida, Joyce, they haven't reserved for decades, literally oh, decades. And now it's time to pay the bill, the bill has come due.
0: Yeah. What about this uh, I know you said you're not an expert in the insurances and the reinsurance rates, but I've been people have been soliciting me to talk about, you know, contacting the governor and contacting the legislature and saying, "We know there's nothing you can do about Litigation or or insurance rates that are driven by the weather, but maybe there's something we can do to bail some of these condos out before they all lose their homes.
1: Um, there's a program in Miami Dade that actually put away a few million dollars for some people, okay. but a few million dollars in this situation is you know do a, uh, a spit in the ocean.
0: Right.
1: And Broward hasn't done anything as I know. Palm Beach hasn't done anything as I know. But we're talking about if you were really going to put away money, we would have to be talking about billions and billions of dollars because that's what's about to be spent just in in the construction industry here in Florida over the next few years. We're talking about a lot of money, and I don't know if we have it.
0: Yeah. And are they even talking about it? Because it's one thing to say it's going to be costly and we don't know if we can do it. But it's another thing that I don't hear any of my legislators talking about this.
1: No, they're not talking about putting away money to loan people, you know, short term oh, loan, interest is for loans for condos, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like you said, we have a terrible on top of everything we just mentioned. You, I might have forgotten and you might have remembered the most important one. Insurance. Right. Insurance rates for some condominium buildings have gone, let's say, from one hundred thousand to four hundred thousand in one year. That's oh. what we're dealing with. Mm. And just that alone is making it impossible to live in a condominium. Never mind everything I just spoke to you about. Right. You had everything together, and it's a recipe for disaster. It is.
0: Yeah. But they can't afford to, to, you know, just have all these people out on the street homeless. I mean, so they're going to know they
1: can't. You know, I, I, I get that. And um, it's going to take a few years for all of this to actually work itself out. Mm-hmm. You know, we're hoping it's not going to result in a tremendous foreclosure problem. I can tell you, you know, a lot of these special assessments that are going to be passed by condos, it's not going to have to be paid all at once. Right. Condos are going to be going to banks now and taking out long-term loans. Wow. And for the first time, banks are going to be giving condos like 10- or 15-year loans. And that's what you're going to start seeing, condos really, truly taking out long-term loans and being in the red for a while.
0: And, of course, it always filters down to the individual uh, apartment dweller. I mean, you, you know, the, the condo borrows the money, but we're all on the hook for it.
1: A hundred percent. Every yeah. single owner is on the hook for it. And if the people in your economy and building don't pay, you're on the hook for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a nightmare. It's, it's I... going to be a tough ride coming up. There's no two ways about it. But I'm saying this, you know, respectfully. But if you didn't put away money and you live in a building for 40 years and every year you said I waive reserves, mm-hmm. how much sympathy can you have?
0: Yeah. But then there's people, you know, especially in a lot of these 50 plus communities like the one I'm living in, like the original tenants have all passed on, you know, that 40 years ago, if they came here at 60, they're mostly, you know, gone, if not all gone. Right. And now you have the second group that came in 10 and 20 years ago, like me. And they're, right. they're saying, like, well, wait a second. What do you mean you had no reserve or you haven't put any money away? Right. You know, that's why one you of the You got reasons- hit
1: with it because those who lived there before you didn't put away a dollar.
0: Right, And that's exactly. what's happening
1: to a lot of communities right now.
0: See, So I feel pretty uh, pleased with myself because one of the things I looked at when I was buying was, you know, which building had done – uh, the most upgraded in terms of repairs, and which building had a prudent reserve, and which building had even more than that, and a lot of people shied away from this building because the the uh, the monthly maintenance was higher than anywhere else because they kept putting the money away and i thought nah i 'm going know, there
1: <laughs> I picture like you know four people sitting at a table and each one saying, "How much is your maintenance? how much is your assessment how much is and you know the the cheapest person thinking that they're the winner uh-uh. they were the loser. Yeah, They were the big loser over the years. If yeah. they're still living there, now they're the loser. It's come due.
0: Hey. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. I always appreciate it. I know I can reach out to you and get an answer within like an hour. So uh, <laughs> The pleasure uh, sir- is always mine,
1: Joyce. Thank you so I much always- for having me.
0: All right. You take care now. You all be- right. And you can h- hear him every weekend right here on 850 WFTL, condo craze and HOAs. He knows it all. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to answer questions that you have. But this is a big issue, and I'm going to take it up with Blazing Golia when I have him on the air. I don't think it's this week, but it's probably next week and we do our Tallahassee Tallahassee roundup. I'm going to ask him if he's willing to you know take a cautious, careful look at this and guarantee some kind of uh, you know uh, safety, whether it's through the reinsurance programs or something to uh, Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County homeowners, Monroe, St. Lucie, all of us. We're all going to be facing the same exact nightmare if we don't come up with some solutions. All right. Uh, don't forget coming up at one o'clock is Dan Bongino. At four o'clock, Ben Shapiro. At six o'clock, the WPTV Local News. And then, of course, Joe Paggs and Lars Larson. And tomorrow morning, bright and early, Jen and Bill and Steve Diener. They'll be back with the South Florida Morning Show. As for me, I have one segment left today. Stay right where you are. All right, so now that I totally uh, you know, depressed everybody in the listening audience with that story, because how many of you are living in condominium associations and uh, your building's not in compliance and you don't want to uh, have a disaster like Surfside, but even shy of that, you don't want to see people forced out of their homes because they have to pay for these inspections or pay for major repairs it's a it's going to be a huge issue and it's coming home to roost that's all the reason i bring it up is because i literally literally get 2 to 5 emails every single day asking me to address this on the air that's a that's that's you know more people than ask me to address anything else i can tell you that and uh, I wish that people were paying as close attention to everything as they are to this. But that's okay. You know, we'll try to get more answers. As We're going to try to get somebody on about the insurance. I'll call my friend Anthony and find out about this whole reinsurance idea and see if that uh, that is a possibility. Um, one of the other things that really is, is was a crazy news story over the week was this, this judge, a Trump-appointed judge, of course, was... Uh, doing a seminar at Stanford Law School. Now, you know this is a very prestigious law school. Uh, Stanford is a prestigious school period. My daughter went to medical school at Stanford and uh, you know I have many family members who were undergrads at Stanford. It's a very you know it's not an ivy, but it's the next best thing, right? So um, they they invite this this um, judge, Kyle Duncan, to do a seminar, and they were not able to control the the room at all. So, uh, so much for freedom of speech, right? the The uh, group that had invited him was the Federalist Society Stanford student chapter. It was on Thursday night, and they do allow protests, but you're not allowed to interrupt a speech. You're not allowed to, you know, stop a speaker from making or completing a speech. That is considered disruption, and it's not allowed. However, you can heckle, and you can, uh, you know, you, you can express your displeasure with the spe- speaker. So I'm looking at this video on Sunday uh, that was posted by the Ethics and Public Policy Center of these protesters that are gathered at one side of the classroom that begin heckling the judge during what appears to be the very beginning of his speech and he was not able to continue. And then the Dean, uh, the Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. I hate DEI, I can't tell you how much I hate DEI. I can't say it enough. Uh, Tireen Steinbeck, the Associate Dean for DEI at the law school gave a brief speech after the judge was interrupted. She criticized Duncan said she wholeheartedly welcomes him and stated that the judge's speech is necessary for the sake of free speech. For many who work here, who study here, who live here, your advocacy, your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of their rights. For many people here, your work has caused harm. (sighs) I'm glad this is going on here, she concluded as the protesters applauded and cheered. She, by the way, is a former program officer at the ACLU, which uh, is the most liberal attorney organization and advocacy group in the world, in the country. Um, Duncan, who happens to be a Louisiana-born lawyer and judge, is known for rulings that align with conservative values. He told Reuters during an interview that he was offended and disturbed by, by the deeply uncivil behavior of the protesters, and he demanded that Stanford Law School apologize. It would be nice if they reached out to me and said, gee, we're sorry. Duncan said he was not able to talk much about the planned topic after being heckled by the protesters. They are idiots, he said. They are hypocrites and they are bullies. I told students this is not going to work in a courtroom, this way of disagreement. Maybe that's where we are going as a society, but that doesn't work in my courtroom. Well, thank God that there are still some judges out there that would expect a little decorum, and I certainly would expect, well, no, I know better. I don't expect any decorum on college campuses anymore, particularly the most liberal campuses, and it's just too bad. The Supreme Court, of course, delivered a stunning ruling. They just made a very unexpected decision in the prayer vigil case. Um, And these are the most hotly contested topics in Washington today, right? So atheists and a bunch of other anti-religion activists said they were offended. Okay, listen to this. Two atheists are suing the city of Ocala, right here in Florida, because they felt excluded during a ceremony that involved police chaplains praying in public. Now, try to picture this, okay? Because this isn't something that happens every day. The incident occurred after a 2014 shooting that left several children injured, and the city then organized a prayer vigil that featured religious leaders, and the chaplains prayed and sang. Well, the two offended individuals, Lucinda Hale and Art Rojas, believe that this violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. The District Court and the U.S. Court of Appeals said they had reason enough to sue, and now the Supreme Court won't dismiss the case. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected the Florida city's request to dismiss a lawsuit brought by atheists. The city of Ocala had hoped that the high court would dismiss the case. They wanted the Supreme Court to determine whether psychic or emotional offense allegedly caused by observation of religious... Now, mind you, Whenever there's a a shooting, every liberal, and I can think back to President Barack Obama, couldn't find anyone more liberal, right? Uh, Praying out loud, demanding prayer for the victims of shooting incidents. The court said that that they had a right to proceed with this case, Uh, though Justice Neil Gorsuch added that the lower courts should rule in favor of Ocala. He said, moving forward, I expect lower courts will recognize the offended observer standing has no more foundation in the law than the lemon test that inspired it. If I am wrong, the city is free to seek relief here after final judgment. Justice Clarence Thomas delivered a separate dissent, saying the Supreme Court shouldn't have taken the case in the first place. He said he has serious doubts about the atheist theory and the Supreme Court should have acted without waiting for the lower courts to make a decision. Right now, the case remains pending in those lower courts. It's kind of confusing, right? Why did the Supreme Court take this case if it still hadn't been resolved in the lower courts? Uh, To many people, it feels as if they can't say or do anything without someone taking offense, and that now that offense can have a drastic impact on our lives. And that goes double if it becomes a legal manner, okay? So this is it. You can't pray. You can't talk about prayer. You can't talk about, you know, your faith, your religion. But don't worry. If you put your money in some high-tech bank and the bank, uh, you know, invests in all the wrong tech companies, uh, that we'll bail you out. We won't call it a bailout. That's so crazy, right? And then I put up on our uh, my daily download today something that was circulating all weekend long. And it was a a video of a new single titled Justice for All. And it features the former president, Donald Trump, with the J6 prison choir. And I was trying to figure out how did these 20 men um, make this recording? It was actually done. They sing the national anthem every night at 9 o'clock. And so... Uh, The song features their own version of the Star-Spangled Banner, recorded over a phone from the Washington, D.C. jail where they currently reside. The track then interpolates Trump reciting the Pledge of Allegiance throughout the J6 choir's song, and it finishes with the inmates chanting, USA, USA. Now, uh, President Trump recorded the Pledge of Allegiance at Mar-a-Lago weeks ago, specifically after the J Six Choir requested his assistance, Trump often speaks about the injustice being done to some of those incarcerated, and he agreed to support their effort. So, what was interesting is this video knocked Miley Cyrus, Miley whatever her name is, Miley Cyrus right out of first place over the weekend, and and it shows you clips from the events of January 6th, including police firing tear gas into the protesters. And the video has been viewed over half a million times, way more than that. Funds from the song, which is on sale for a buck twenty-nine on Apple Music and Spotify, go towards legal aid and benefit the families of those imprisoned. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844 4